morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and uh, I'm so glad you're with us today. We are wrapping up a series. I've got Shane Seegers here with me, and he works with our site pastors, and we are wrapping up a series. We've called it The Centered Life because we want everybody to know what we do at Centerpoint to help all of us as Christians grow and become all that God wants us to be. And so today we're talking about two important values of ours, and they are simplicity and reproducibility. We're very intentional about these things, and today we want to talk about those things with you. And Shane, our values matter, don't they? Yeah, again, our values are the things that help us make the decisions that uh, God's placed in front of us. How do we know what to do? Uh, Values are those guardrails that allow us to know, hey, we're within these boundaries. I mean, if it's according to biblical authority or if it's going to be about genuine or authentic relationships or deliberately simple or can we reproduce it, then we're probably going to do it. And if it says no on one of those things, then that's not what God wants us to do. The important thing, though, is that these these values aren't just organizational, but that they're personal, you know, because the church is not just this group of people. It's you. And so that's really what we want are for these values to become something that I hold and that's something you hold as well. Yeah, so we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring one to you. Um, Shane, why don't you pray for us? Yeah. Father, thank you so much, uh, again, for this opportunity we have to to gather together uh, to worship you. Lord, we we worship you um, in our lives every day, wherever we are. But, Lord, there's something special about the opportunity to gather together with other believers. And, Lord, we look forward to now hearing from you. God, we ask that you would speak through your word to us today. Lord, we uh, come knowing that we need you to lead us and to guide us and to empower us. So, God, that's what we ask for, dependent upon you to give us everything that we need so we can accomplish what you have for us, which will be for your glory and for our good. So, God, thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Center point, we are deliberate about a couple of things. We're deliberate and intentional about both these values. And so you're going to see this uh, in this message today. But at center point, point one... We value deliberate simplicity. We intend on keeping things simple. First of all, Shane, we need to keep it simple because otherwise you and I couldn't play. That's exactly right. (laughs) right. But the truth is, uh, as as we go through this, the whole idea behind simplicity is to remind all of us that God involves ordinary people like you and me. So point A, we deliberately choose the least complicated approach to our beliefs, decision-making, and ministry. We deliberately choose those things. Now, I was stopped by somebody this week. It was really interesting when uh, I was uh, stopped on a sidewalk talking to somebody, and they said, I have lo- they have loved coming to this series where we explain in the centered life here of what we're trying to do at center point, how that applies to our lives, because they said, you know, I-, I feel like this is something that every Christian just needs to be doing all the time. And I go, well, it is. I mean, this is a church that was built by ordinary people for ordinary people. I mean, I love those commercials where somebody has a, a thing where, you know, we're a car company for car guys, or, you know, we're a makeup company for people who wear makeup or whatever, okay? But the whole idea there is, well, we're an, a group of ordinary people who design ministry for ordinary people. I mean, I need to know how to reach out to my unchurched friends, so do you. Well, let's figure it out together. I need to know how to make disciples, so do you. I need to live out my calling. So do you. And all the people who started this church, all of our elders are ordinary folks, and we deliberately try to use the least complicated means to make decisions, to structure ourselves, to help get this thing going so ordinary people can get involved. So you're going to hear this throughout this, but understand this. That's what we're trying to do. 
because this isn't just a manifesto of what Centerpoint believes. Centerpoint was designed so ordinary people could play it, right? Yeah, and, it, and the more complicated it is, the harder it is to keep the main thing the main thing. We don't want to have things creeping in to our lives and into the way that we do church. So we just keep ourselves busy, but we're not effective. And so, again, that's why we have to say, if we don't make it simple, it just has a tendency to drift towards becoming complicated. Right. And so we're deliberate about these things. How many of you have found out that if you're not deliberate about the things that are important, they get away from you? Anybody discovered that besides me? Yeah. Well, that's the way life is. If we're not deliberate about these things, they won't happen. So we're deliberately simple. The great commandment, by the way, let me tell you, Jesus was once asked by a Ph.D. in Old Testament studies, basically, an expert in the law, what the greatest commandment was. And he wasn't just trying to find out the truth from Jesus. He was trying to trick him, trip him up, because this man had spent tons of time studying the Old Testament. He and his friends would have divided all of the commandments of Moses into like 600-plus uh, different commandments, and they had a whole hierarchy for ranking them, and they wanted to see how Jesus handled all of that. And here's what Jesus said. He was deliberately simple. You'll see this. Jesus answered this question of what's the greatest commandment this way. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And so Jesus turned his trick question and opportunity to make things very simple. And, all, and it says in the scripture that all the ordinary people who'd gather around would applaud and they were thrilled with his answers. Because here's somebody who wasn't trying to trick people, wasn't trying to prove how smart he was. He was just trying to bring it down, put it down where ordinary people could get to it. Jesus did that. And we believe he wants us still to do that. Paul did this in Acts 15. He'd gone out and shared the gospel with a bunch of Gentiles. And there were people, all the early Christians had grown up Jewish. The disciples all had, and all the early Christians in Judea and other places, they'd all, primarily, they'd all been Jewish believers. And so uh, when they went out and started sharing with the Gentiles, there was a big debate. Well, do we need to teach them how to eat kosher food? Do we need to teach them all the Jewish holidays, all this stuff? Here's what Paul said. It's my judgment, therefore, we shouldn't make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. When he was writing to the Corinthians, giving them instructions about marriage and relationships between husbands and wives, he said, look... I, want you, to, I want, to do, want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And that's how we set up this church. Shane, I mean, our value is here to keep it simple because we don't want people to be distracted. If we're not deliberate about getting the right things, the key things done, well, we can get off in the high weeds pretty fast. Yeah, and again, it's not just about people, and we'll see this later on, who have all this elaborate training. and all that. It's about, again, you and me, ordinary people, being able to do what God's called us to to do and again just like you started off if it gets too complicated my confidence starts going way down and so we have to keep it simple so people like me can get out there and see what god wants to do and it's always so amazing to me that he'll just take the simplest interactions and the simplest things and use it in ways that we could have never dreamed up and that brings us to point b we deliberately choose to keep things simple so that everyone can be involved in ministry so that everyone can play we have a game system at our house, and my boys have, you know, have the controller that's got 17 knobs on top and then buttons on the side and a, and a couple of joysticks, too. And if you're ambidextrous and you can play the accordion blindfolded, it's easy to do, okay? <laughs> it's amazingly simple. And so they go, Dad, come play this video game with us. And then we're racing cars, and they completely destroy me, and they laugh at how uncoordinated I am. Okay, so then, we, so the dad could play. We've got this game system. It's got a bar 
uh, this motion sensing bar where if you stand in front of it and you move, then the little character on the screen does whatever you do. And I still lose. Anyway, but, but the point is... Because <laughs> I think it's because you're doing this. Yeah, there, well, <laughs> there's no game where this is a move. Yeah, I've discovered that, yeah. Anyway, that's probably the problem, but I'm terrible at video games, okay? But if they wanted dad to play, you had to make it simple because the controller thing completely blows my mind. I didn't grow up with this. I don't get it. I don't want to get it, okay? I can't play. So make it simple. When you make it simple, well, at least I can play. I can't win, but at least I can play. Well, what if we did this for ordinary people? That's what we're talking about. I mean, our elders want this. They're ordinary people. And you know what they pray for? They pray that God will raise up ordinary people. Where would they get that idea? Acts 4. The council that sentenced Jesus to death. Well, a few months later, Peter and John were brought in front of them because God had done an extraordinary miracle through them. And they were giving Jesus all the credit. And this council was angry. They said, why do you keep talking about that dead guy? And they said, well, he's not dead. He rose again. There's salvation in no one's name except him. The members of the council, in Acts 4.13, uh, Luke says, writes this down. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, what does it say there? What kind of men? Ordinary. One more time. What kind of men? Ordinary. Circle that, please. Ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They were also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Our whole church, a centered life, is to realize that church is for ordinary people. This is a church designed by ordinary people for ordinary people. So we could reach out to our ordinary lost friends. So we could use our ordinary lives to give glory to God. And when we do that, extraordinary things happen, like they did through God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Paul said the same thing here in 1 Corinthians 1. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. And he reminded them later in that same letter, the, the church is like a body where you need hands and feet and eyes and ears. You need all the parts working together. And he says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. He has a role for every one of us to play. Ordinary people, just using our gifts and talents and passions and abilities together. And that's good news, isn't it, Shane? That's great news because it's everyone can be involved in ministry. Ministry is just meeting needs, whether it's spiritual needs, physical needs, social needs. And when you start to look in a room like this and you see how many people here, how many needs do you think are represented in this room alone? Many. And then you begin to think, we're not just called to serve each other. We're called to serve those who are far from Christ and they have... An incredible amount of needs, too. So my question is, how many people do you think it's going to take in order to meet all those needs? It's not the way that, that churches sometimes do it, where we have a staff and the staff is put together to meet the needs of the people. That's not how God's designed it to be. He's put every single one of us in the body because you're necessary and useful to meet all the needs, not just within our church body, but those around us as well. So that brings us to point C. We, we deliberately choose to give away authority and responsibility. We empower people for ministry. To empower means to give power. But that's why it's so important that we have those guardrails, Shane, so that when people are empowered to do ministry, they know, well, first of all, if, if biblical authority, if the Bible's our guide in all matters of faith and practice, we're not going to do ministry that doesn't line up with what the Bible teaches. If it's about relationships, right relationships with God and others, like Jesus said, 
Well, if this doesn't help us do that, then we're not going to do that either. I mean, right? Yeah, because, again, this is about empowering because we're not in control. God's in control. And God speaks to you just as well as he speaks to us. And what we want to do is encourage you to know, hey, I'm confident that I can hear God's voice in telling me and leading me in a ministry. And that way we're not trying to push you or pull you to do what God's calling you to do. You're responding to God himself saying, this is the passion and this is the call I have on your life. And so we want to just, you know, encourage you and equip you so that you can do what God's calling you to do. So if you look at Acts in Ephesians 4, excuse me, where Paul is talking about the role of pastors and teachers, here's what he says. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. All right. Their responsibility is to perform well on stage and people to come once in a while if they want to. And if they think it's really good, then they can applaud. No, that's not what it says, is it? No. Oh, wait. The pastor's and teacher's responsibility, along with evangelists and the apostles and the prophets, is to equip God's people, to equip ordinary people to do the work. The pastors are there to build up the church. That's my job. That's Shane's job, and that's what we teach our site pastors, right? We, they have to be looking for people who want to grow that they can help train them up so we can do God's work Build up the body of Christ so that we can all be mature and complete. Right, because we don't want any one individual to be the bottleneck. You know, and that's what we tell the site pastors. And that's what we tell our connect group leaders. It's like, you know, you have to get other people involved in the ministry because this is how God is going to continue to work. And if he didn't want other people involved, he wouldn't have called you and he wouldn't have gifted you and he wouldn't have given you the spirit as well to be a part of what God is doing. Um, Shane, if you'd read that next reference from Exodus 18... When Moses was leading the children of Israel out from Egypt to the promised land after God had rescued them through a divine set of miracles, well, the problem Moses ran into was he had all these millions of people now that he was leading to the promised land, but they had disputes, and Moses was trying to pray and resolve these things and with godly wisdom so there'd be a line of people standing in front of him from sunup to sundown every day. And that continued until one day when his father-in-law, Jethro, came to visit him, and then, Shane, this is the advice Jethro gave him. Yeah, Jethro said to him, hey, you're going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. And they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressure, and all these people will go home in peace. And so one of the things, and Shane, I've heard you talk about this with our site pastors all the time, you're looking for people with three characteristics, faithful, available, teachable, right? Yeah, uh, because, and that's an unfortunate acrostic. It says fat. We're looking for fat people. I know that, uh, you know, that's unfortunate, but we are. Well, looking. I don't know. In Alabama, we seem to have plenty. Okay, sorry. That was in the paper a while back. Sorry, sorry. Okay, But we are, we're looking for people that have three characteristics. Because, again, it doesn't have anything to do with, you know, certain abilities. It just has more to do with your attitudes, and these are all attitudes that we can have. We can all say, I'm going to be faithful, which means I'm going to do what God calls me to do. We can all say, I can be available, which means I have to be intentional about my schedule. I'm not going to let it dictate to me. I'm going to choose 
to make sure I can be available and I can be there. And then teachable, that, you know, I'm willing to learn. Because how many of you feel like you know everything right now? What God, I certainly don't. You know, I know that I'm always continuing learning how to, to, to lead better or to, you know, help someone in an issue. And so we're always needing people who are teachable. Because if I'm faithful, available, and teachable, then God can work through me in incredible ways. And the same thing for you. This is a good thing again. You don't have to know everything just as long as you're teachable. And, you know, as long as you're faithful to do what little you already know, then God can do great things. But you're going to have to be available. You're going to have to make the time for it in your schedule because otherwise it just won't happen. And so at Centerpoint, this is who we're looking for, and we want to reproduce ourselves. And that brings us to the next point there, point two. We intentionally reproduce. Look, I think the devil would be thrilled to let us have a church that had thousands of people involved, but we never reproduced ourselves. We just kind of ran a great ministry until we either died or we moved away, and then the ministry just shut down. And occasionally, you don't have to go that far. You can drive past church buildings that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they were packed every Sunday, and now they're completely empty. Because nobody reproduced themselves. There's still people living all around it, but there's nobody reaching out to those neighborhoods. You can go to cathedrals in Europe that at once, I mean, they were built to hold 1,500 people. And now there's a little group that meets there on Sunday mornings in one, cor- in one corner of it. Meanwhile, they're giving tours of the building in other parts of it. And it's basically a museum. Well, what happened? Well, they might have had flourishing ministry at one period in history. But for whatever reason, people didn't reproduce. Well, if we don't reproduce, not only can we not grow outward, we can't even maintain what we have. And so we have to be reproducing ourselves in the lives of faithful and available, teachable people. That's why we keep it simple so everyone can play. And it's important for us to remember again, when we talk about reproduction, this isn't just something for Centerpoint. This is important for all of us. I need to reproduce my values in my kids so that my grandkids will have faith shared with them. So when we talk about this, there's a simple little four-step process we use in this too. Not only are we looking for people like this, but here's what we want our site pastors to do. We want them to identify, deploy, this is point A, 2A on your outline, identify, deploy, train, and support future leaders and future workers. And so when I do this, Shane, I'm going to put this little arrow here because a lot of people, when I write this out on a napkin or something about what we're trying to do, they go, I think you got those two inverted. Did we get them wrong? No, actually, uh, according to common sense, people would think, isn't it better to train people before you go tell them what to do? But honestly, again, if we're looking for faithful, available, and teachable people, the best thing we can do is once we identify them is to get them just engaged in ministry wherever they are. And the reason why is because then they begin to realize, oh, I need to learn something to help me better. It's really hard to train someone who doesn't know that they need to be trained or to... Uh, teach someone who feels like, no, I got it all figured out. The best way to really help someone to begin to realize their need is to put them in an environment, not necessarily to fail. That's why we're going to train and support them, but put them in an environment where they're putting things in practice as they're learning it, because that's the best way to learn something is to be applying it while you're learning it. Yeah. And so this deploying is at an intro level. Hey, I, I think I might be called to this ministry. Well, why don't you go volunteer with some ministries that are doing that right now? I think I might be called to overseas missions. Well, why don't you go on a short-term mission trip first? Hey, I I think I want to lead a small group. Well, why don't you get in a small group? And then volunteer to lead it 
and have the existing leader help evaluate how you're doing. And so as we're doing this, as we deploy them, well, it doesn't take long at all for somebody who's called to ministry. They go on a short-term mission trip. Hey, I want to be trained to leadership next year. What do I need to do? Or they're in a small group. I want to lead that. I like that. Well, we've got small group leader training. And we'll support you as we go on. But again, the idea is we want to get people involved because ordinary people are the people that God uses. And we have to reproduce ourselves. Matthew 20:18. this is the Great Commission. It's at the heart of our mission here. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus said, hey, you've got to teach other people to do the same thing I'm teaching you. And Paul went a step further in 2 Timothy 2. He said, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach the things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So not only do I want to teach somebody what I know, I want to teach them how to teach it to somebody they know. Because then... I'm not only making, then I'm making a complete disciple. I'm not just making somebody who understands the information. I'm helping train someone who has the same burden I have that I had for them. Now they have the same burden for someone else. And I think this is real important for all of us to understand. We're not doing this for us. Because, oh, isn't this a great way to, to, to reach more people? We're doing this and designing it this way for you. Because again, when you read the Great Commission, that's not just given to just a few Christians. That's given to every single one of us. Mm. And one day, again, I, I say this a lot. I know y'all are probably tired of it. But one day we're going to stand before Christ. And I want to hear well done. And I know you want to hear well done. But you're going to hear well done only if you do the things that God's called us to do. And you're probably like me. There's a time where... I did not know how to do anything. But somebody took the time to do this in my life. And that's really what we're trying to do. Again, this is not just so Centerpoint can have this incredible outreach model. It's so that you can be faithful in your life to Christ and hopefully can live in such a way by doing ordinary things that ordinary people can do. So one day God will look at you and say, you know, with what I gave you, well done. And that's why we want people to hold on. Paul said to Timothy, right after he told him there, or in the same letter, right before he told him that, hey, to pass this on, he said, remember to hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching that you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. That's why our whole strategy here, we want to use the simplest methods and the simplest explanations so that not only we can learn them ourselves, but they're relatively easy to pass on to other people, right? Yeah. I mean, we have patterns here. Paul had patterns. We've created patterns, so it's not that complicated. So it can be simple so that you can intentionally pass it on to others. Remember, our mission is to help people center their lives on Christ by doing two things. Obeying the great commandment and fulfilling the great commission. So we've made a pattern. How do we love God? That's part of the great commandment. Well, we surrender, we listen, we pray, and we obey. We do that continually. Whatever's going on in our life. You can teach someone how to do that. How do we love our neighbors? Well, we become aware of their needs, become aware of them. Then we begin to be kind, and then we serve, and then we can invest in them. You do that pattern over and over again. You can teach someone to do that. When it comes to reaching someone far from Christ, again, we become aware of those people. 
We, those people who are friends, our family, our relatives, our neighbors, those are important people to us. And then we begin to pray for them. And then we begin to find ways to show that we care. And then when they begin to say, why are you doing this? We share. Those are all repeatable patterns that all of us can do. And we do them on a continual basis so that it's easy for you to do. But it's also easy for you to tell someone, hey, the Christian life is really not that hard. You can do this as well. Yeah, because, and again, the reason we're bringing this up as our church, as the center point is a church put together by ordinary people to encourage so we can encourage each other because we're all ordinary people. And we need to reproduce. One other scripture I want to bring on this heading here about uh, reproducibility is this, is the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead. This is what Luke recorded in Luke 10. He sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. Now, these were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. We do this all the time. Our elders pray about this. Our staff prays about this. I pray about this all the time. Lord, send workers. Well, what would that look like? Well, I'll just give you, for instance, Shane and I had a fun experience the other day. Friday night, we were in Trustville, just north of Birmingham. The reason we were there is because we've been praying that God will show us. We are, as you can, inside the jacket here, it talks about that our vision is one day we would have ministry going on in a thousand locations. We're up we're four right now, yeah. only 996 to go. We're closing in on it. Yeah, Momentum's building up. We're gaining okay? speed. Gaining speed. <laughs> okay. All right. But here's the deal, though. So we're in Trustville. Why are we in Trustville? Because I got an email from somebody a few weeks ago. They've been listening online. I did a wedding for them 12 years ago. I thought it was 7. They said it's 12. Okay, time goes faster. Anyway, they emailed me and said, we've been watching online. We heard that you guys start sites at different places. That's your vision. Would there be any opportunity for us to talk to you about starting something in Trustful? I said, well, sure. I mean, if we, if we get some people who are interested in that. Well, they didn't know that I just had a conversation with some people here in Prattville and the guy's job is moving him up to Trustville. And so the, the people online, been watching online, heard this series. The people who were here had heard this series and said, well, what do you think? I mean, will we be able to start something in Trustville? I said, well, possibly so. And so can I get you guys together? Well, so then I got on Outlook and I typed in Trustville to pull up this original email from this gal. And another email appeared that I'd received two years ago and forgotten completely about. Yeah, that's, Follow up right away. Yeah, that's why they call me Johnny on the spot. Okay, anyway, uh, yeah. Two years ago, a guy had been watching us online and had contacted me and said, hey, if you ever think about starting something in Trustville, give me a call. So he had his phone number in there, and so I called it a few days ago. And I said, look, this is two years late, but if you're interested, call me back. He calls me back and goes, tell me when you're meeting and where. Then I contacted another couple who moved up here who lives in the greater Birmingham area, and the person said, hey, I'd be willing to, if you ever get a connect group going somewhere around Birmingham, I'd be willing to help, and they were there. And so we had a dinner with all these folks. We're praying now that we can get them all together, and it went Really well. I think they were excited. These yeah, are, this was really great. exciting. But we're praying that we will soon have a small group going in Trustville that could grow just like it did here in Prattville. That's how it started here. Yeah, that was a great thing we got to tell them. Hey, you know, because some of them had the experience of here, and they think, well, we have to reproduce this. Not first. Right out of the chute, yeah. You know, this started with a couple of guys sitting around a table at Cracker Barrel. And then it went to handfuls of people in a living room. And then it just continued to grow because they were able to add and to ask people to come be a part. And that's how God wants us to do. So even if you think, wow, I want to do this, but I don't know if I can do this, 
This is not the most simple part of how we start. It starts with just a group of people. Yeah, and so we're praying about it all the time. And I can share that with people and they go, well, that's just coincidence. Let me tell you something. When we pray about stuff, coincidences happen a lot more often. Because they're not coincidences. God wants this more than we do. I mean, think about this. If we have people who are just faithful, available, and teachable here, and they learn to develop their gifts in ministry in an area of service or develop their gifts in a small group or develop a passion and a concern for missions through us, well, then when the opportunity comes, they're ready to go. And people keep trying to ask me, well, what's the delivery system? I don't have to figure out the delivery system. Our job is just to make disciples and get them ready. I mean, if somebody works for the military, I think when they tell you to go, I understand you have to go. Okay, I don't think they let you vote on it. All right? And maybe your company moves you. And all of a sudden now, now I can go. Or maybe you have an opportunity to do something that presents itself, and now you're ready. And I want you to understand that that brings us to the last point. That's why we believe that more is better than bigger. Than just trying to keep everybody here in one place that's not going to get the job done as well as if people scatter and go wherever God leads them. I want you to listen to some folks who've discovered this. And this isn't just true on the macro level, the sites. It's also true even in our small groups with our connect groups. So listen to how this has worked out in one connect group. My name's Joel Goff. Uh, me and my wife, Jennifer, were in the Amos connect group for a year and a half to two years. And, um, Connect group had really started to, it was, it was huge. And um, so we realized that we couldn't fit the people that were in the group in a house. And so God started stirring our heart about starting a connect group and leading one. So we prayed about it. And uh, and as tough as it was, because we had great relationships in that, in that group, um, we started a group. And, um, and obviously, we prayed for God to bring us you know, great couples and leaders, and we asked people we knew around us that were not in connect groups, challenged them to start coming to a connect group. And uh, in return, we, we ended up with, you know, obviously it started busting the seams. We were looking around, and it's, it's we've got a full house. You know, it's, there's 10 to 12 couples. And, uh, and obviously at that point in time, I started praying for somebody in the group to step up and start leading um, and that's when Anthony started, stepped up. Yeah, and um, when Laura and I, my wife Laura, we got into Joel Goff's uh, Connect Group first, mainly because we just wanted to know what a Connect Group actually looked like. Um, I'd already known that I wanted to lead one, but we needed to find out what the dynamics were as far as what it's like to lead a group, what it's like to be in a group. And it was really a lot easier than I thought it would be. Uh, leading a group is very simple. It's just a matter of facilitating conversation and providing a place uh, for people to meet. So once we discovered that, uh, after we were in Joel's group for a good while, we decided to uh, go ahead and split off this past summer. And we've got about 10 people that meet in that group. Well, it's, it's been a blessing just to be around people, to see people uh, developing new relationships that they never, people that never even met each other. Uh, 
It's awesome. And meanwhile, while Anthony's is growing, ours is busting the seams again. And uh, and obviously, I start praying for leaders to step up. And at that point in time, that's when Daniel stepped up. Yeah, we were actually in Joel and Zephyr's group as well. My name is Daniel Greer. My dad and I were going for about six months. And I got to tell you, the first time you go to a small group, the drive over is pretty it's pretty nerve-wracking. And when you first walk up to the door, we felt so welcomed at Joel's house and immediately made friendships. So we were in the group, and as Joel said, it started growing again. And we knew that, um, I was like, man, somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to step up and take, take control here and, and, and go out. We went to the tailgate a couple weeks back that the church had. All the different small groups had tents set up. And three or four couples within an hour walked up and with kids and were looking for a small group to met on Sunday night. And I looked at my wife and I said, where are we going to fit these people? It wasn't even in my house. It was at Joel's house. I thought, how are we going to fit these people in there? And I went home and I started praying about it. And I talked to my wife and she'd already been thinking about it too. And I said, well, why don't we split off? So I called Joel and Joel was like, man, I've been praying about somebody to do this. And so it was, it was truly a God thing. We're meeting tomorrow night um, for the third time. This is a new group. And we have five couples already. Five couples and about 15 kids. So we have a lot of kids in our group. Um, but it's been a true blessing already. And we're just excited about where it's going to go. But I'll tell you, if you're in a small group now, you're looking around, you're like, man, somebody's got to do something. Then that's probably you. I think one of our biggest fears is that oftentimes we don't want to lose these friendships. We got good friendships with these guys. I don't want to, I'm thinking, I don't want to lose these guys. They're my friends. But that's a very inward um, approach. And so if God's telling you to do it, you need to do it. Because the multiplication has been tremendous within our group. I mean, that's all we're trying to do at the small group level, at the site level. If God opens opportunity, we go. We train people, we reproduce ourselves so that if a new group needs to form, you take them. We need to start something, be ready to go. Because the go ye therefore could also be translated as you go, wherever God takes you. And so we just got to get people ready to go. And that's why point B, 2B on your outline is we believe more is better than bigger. So we can continue growing here and there at the same time. But is that a biblical model? Well, this is a, I think you'll agree with me. This is exactly what happened in the book of Acts. I've got five different references from Acts, and you'll see this as a progression here. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples this. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is the capital city. Judea was the county, if you will. Uh, Samaria was the county next door. Well, that all happened just not long after that. On Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. Peter preached a powerful sermon through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thousands came to Christ that day, were baptized, added to the church, and here's what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The believers met together in one place. Please underline this. They're still at one place. And they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added, please underline that too, they were adding people to their fellowship, those who were being saved. And why not? It was awesome. You go, this is great. Everybody's going, man, let's just all stay together. This is awesome. People are coming and joining us every day. Remember, God had told them to go. So as the church is growing, God had a plan to get them to move. And here's what happened. A short while later, a great persecution broke out against the church. Stephen 
one of the first deacons was martyred, put to death for his faith. And this is Acts 8. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. They weren't at one place anymore. Now they left Jerusalem, and they were going to Judea and Samaria. And guess what happened? But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. In Acts 12, it tells us as a result of that, the word of God grew and multiplied. Now people weren't just being added. They were being added in Jerusalem, and now they're being added in Judea at various places and in Samaria at various places. It was multiplying. But here's the real kicker. That's Acts 12. Here's Acts 13. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius and from Cyrene, Manan, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Saul's name was later changed to Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, <coughs> dedicate Barnabas and Saul, excuse me there, for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. The special task to which God had called them, he had called Paul and Barnabas to go out and reach the Gentiles in the uttermost parts of the earth. And so what happens is all of this is fulfilled, but here's what I think is really significant. They were in Jerusalem at one place and God was growing the church. Persecution scattered them and it went to Judea and Samaria went as far north as Antioch. This is 300 miles to the north. That's how far the gospel had gotten. But when it went to the uttermost parts of the earth, God spoke to some people who were in Antioch to send Paul and Barnabas out. Well, John, why does that excite you so much? Well, let's change this to some names here. This is Prattville. And right over here we have Pike Road and Cloverdale and Wetumpka and maybe Trustville. Or what if we went 300 miles away? This is Memphis. 300 miles away in Memphis. And what happens if one day we have a group that starts in Memphis and they start meeting and someone of that group gets sent to India and they start a site in India and they start 75 or 100 churches in India? Would you be excited? Oh my gosh. If you want to know what I wake up in the middle of the night praying about, it's this. I get so excited to see this because here's what's significant. Paul and Barnabas weren't sent out from the original hub. They were sent out from one of the sites. From one of the sites. And when I talk about, hey, we want to have a thousand sites, people go, how are you going to get a thousand people to go from Prattville? Well, we won't. We'll have some people go from Prattville to Pike Road and to Cloverdale and to Wetumpka and maybe to some other places. But then some of the people from Wetumpka are going to go to Alex City. And some of the people from Pike Road are going to go to Troy. And some of the people from Cloverdale, maybe they'll go to Detroit. Or maybe they'll go to Memphis because somebody had a job there. And then somebody from there is going to go to Africa or China or India. And God's going to just go nuts with that. And we get to be a part of it. If we're ready. But if I'm sitting here just showing up at church because my job is to show up, put a few bucks in an offering plate, and hope the music's good. Hope it doesn't go long. Well, this isn't going to happen. And I just want you to understand, John, could it happen? It already happened. 
I just want it to happen again. And what if you and I could be a part of it? What if you and I could just be ready? Because we stepped up here, and then when God opened the door, we went, oh my gosh, I got this new job offer. It's perfect. And we moved in this new neighborhood, and there's all these people who don't go to church. And John, I think we could get a small group together in, in a week here. What do you need from us? We'll resource you. As long as you'll just be faithful and available and teachable, God's already deployed you. We've already trained you. How do we support you? And that's the way we think this thing's going to happen. And I hope that excites you. I hope that thrills your heart. Because it does mine. And this is what I want to do the rest of my life. I want things, I want to be deliberate about this. I want us to be intentional about this. I want things to keep, keep things simple so we can reproduce. And finally, so we can go. Wherever God sends us. We don't have to figure out the where right now. We just have to be ready when he opens the door. Because God wants us to do this more than we do. If you believe that, would you say amen? Amen. Heck yeah. I'm going to pray for us. I'm sorry. Did you have something? I got on another rant. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. James going, oh, wow. Amen. Yeah, no, amen. I, I just want to say, I mean, some of our values are even why we're still meeting in a conference center in a hotel. Oh, yeah. Why we haven't just built a bigger building where we can just have more people come. It's hard to build a big building and get everything nice and everybody likes it just the way and say, now go. You mean go to some place that doesn't have all this? It's hard. But see, our value is not just us. It's the world. And that's why we want to go. And that's why we're going to keep things simple and reproducible. So that all of us can go. In our natural rhythms, as God's calling us and leading us, just be faithful where you are. Paul and Barnabas, before they were, before, you know, Saul became Paul, he just had to be faithful where he was. Yeah, and then the Holy Spirit said, send those boys out. And they did. So will we. You pray with me, please. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the Holy Spirit falling on Peter on Pentecost Sunday. I thank you for thousands coming to Christ and being baptized. I thank you that an amazing church formed in Jerusalem. And Lord, they weren't grateful for it at the time that the persecution broke out. But Lord, that's what scattered them everywhere, all throughout Judea and Samaria, all the way up to Antioch. And Lord, I think it's so amazing that people who weren't even there on Pentecost Sunday, probably, were the ones who ended up sending out Paul and Barnabas. And Lord, I just look forward to meeting people who become Christians someday at a site and are baptized and are sent out who are doing amazing things. And the first time I hear about them is when they're already in India or China or someplace I never dreamed of going. But you did. Oh, Lord, I just pray that we'll be faithful, available, and teachable. I pray that we will be, man, dedicated to these things. Deliberate, clear, committed. If God spoke to you about anything today, would you just take a second right now and say, God, I heard you. I want to be a part of this. If that's your desire, pray it. Just show me what my role is, Lord. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray these things together. Amen.